0: Ready? Welcome to Coaching with Carrie, a podcast about teacher education and mentoring pre-service teachers.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because I've always pinned myself as someone that has to be like seven steps ahead of the game all the time. And given the current situation, it that's just not likely to happen right now. And so I've kind of had to, you know, it's it's been challenging for me because I love to be overly organized and love to have access to everything and so you know rachel and of course my cohort administrator and all of my other um, friends in my cohort we've had access to blend and canvas and seesaw and class dojo and all of these really awesome um sources of technology so i do feel pretty prepared and it honestly wasn't that hard of an adjustment um switch you know we i've done online class before I know what it's like, I've used Canvas. I think especially with kids my age, we are used to technology and I think it
0: probably is going to be the future of our world. The future is here y'all and the pre-service teachers are ready. That was Madeline, an intern too, beginning her final year in UT's teacher education program. Today's podcast is about coaching tools. And when I say tools, I'm not necessarily talking about the very important digital tools we're currently harnessing, but instead the particular and specific moves that members of a teacher triad or dyad take up in order to focus attention to particulars in the art of teaching.
2: I'm Rachel Atzmone and I am a current UT graduate student and um, also a UT alum with undergrad. So I graduated um, with my undergrad in education December 2016. And now I'm currently working on my master's in the language and literacies study program um, through curriculum and instruction. And I'm in the MLPD cohort. So the mentoring, leadership and professional development kind of like subset thing.
0: Rachel is Madeline's cooperating teacher this year. This is her second year as a mentor. I asked her about the coaching tools and how they might look different this year. But I'm like really mourning just those like moments in
2: like in the moment huddles. Um, I also love like visualizing two teachers like kind of huddling together talking about what's happening. Um, So I'm personally still kind of wrapping my head around that. Um, I know during our Zoom schedule, Like, there's definitely going to be moments where we can, like, regroup, like, talk before Zoom start and we let students in um, and regroup, like, afterwards to kind of talk about, you know, why things went down the way they did, right? Like, Mm -hmm. maybe in-the-moment decisions that had to be made um, to the plan, Um, but I feel like those, like, actively talking through, I'm going to do this because Mm -hmm. that's where I'm kind of stuck.
0: And you know, Rachel's not alone. We're all learners this year. Which brings me to the cross-cutting theme that I'm finding most salient to this situation. I am a learner. Here's what the document says. I will grow my teaching into more powerful practices and share them with others. We are continuously examining how our identities sometimes afford us privileges and other times result in oppression. We recognize that our personal identities are deeply connected to our professional identities and contribute to how we work with our students, communities, and colleagues. In a traditional classroom, shadowing meant I would stand or sit right next to my cooperating teacher to see what they were seeing. In this space, it's like bizarre that active role was like huge because I feel like normally
2: I just sit in the back of the classroom like taking my little notes on my computer and like then go over and try and talk to a student but like also like I don't know what my role is sometimes you know and whereas this was like I'm like I'm here to support you like fully and I'm really seeing you and like seeing what your your hard work is in the moments of just like being like before and then like after
0: it reminds me of tools, right? So tools language as a tool because it's in a chat, because it's sort of mm-hmm. been pinned down now. It's more likely that they'll pick it up and take it as leverage, right? So they're hungry for the naming of the things that they aren't mm-hmm. that they didn't even know right. they knew. I love that. That's what I love about teaching and coaching and all these conversations.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, how are we using how are you using the chat language as like little leverage pieces, tools, each, yeah. I asked Rachel what she wanted Madeline to pay attention to, to purposefully observe her doing as virtual teaching got underway.
2: The way I explain this to parents at Back to School Night, even in like a non-pandemic world, is that um, the first four to six weeks of first grade, and I would argue any grade are a lot of getting to know each other um you know building a classroom community reviewing skills from the previous year and um reviewing routines right like and if someone always there's always some person who has some sort of question about that and i usually explain you know if every five seconds someone is asking to get a pencil and they don't know the routine on how to get a new pencil i would argue we're not doing any learning so that's why we do more we focus on that a little bit more at the beginning of the year okay. Okay, so really thinking about the facilitation of the conversation and how your talk is related to their talk. I absolutely agree. And
0: according to recent Twitter buzz, teachers are kind of struggling with what community building entails. Microphones off, no time to socialize. As learners, teacher learners, this means we seek it out. We pin those ideas down as we discover them. We use language as our best tool.
2: I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, responsive classroom. I just did the advanced training this summer and I oh, guess I'm forgetting the name. Oh, interactive modeling. And they also have like guided discovery, Ooh. which is they're very similar, but very different. But basically guided discovery is like you introduce something to the group and say like, what are you noticing about this? Um, So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I guess, I feel like I'm going to have to maybe feel it out more in the moment to see if it's more of like a explicit, like, this is how you do a choice board or like, what are you noticing about a choice board? And like, how can we use this tool? Like, I feel like it's probably going to be guided discovery knowing my, knowing myself, I'm not a very rigid person.
0: Hmm. That sounds like the collaborative coaching question of the year. What are you noticing about this? And what what do we need to think about? <laughs> like how are we gonna move forward knowing what we know now, right? That's yeah. gonna be it. Positioning ourselves as learners is a pretty wise tool alongside using language, marking down how we use language, keeping track of those moves, and then later zooming into particular moments specifically selected for discussion. And maybe even action
3: right like mm-hmm. like we can only do so much because we're trying to watch too so the coaching is like kind of like the coaching tools we have around huddling and co-teaching and whatnot they're like light a little bit light coaching but then in the post-conference you have the opportunity to really dig in mm-hmm. and so I think also thinking about the during observation coaching and the after and the after gives you a chance to say, not just like, let's re- reflect and debrief, but okay, let's let's role play that. Like, let's play that out. What would that sound like? What would that look like if, if, you know, if the teacher had responded to the student in a different way in that moment?
0: That was Dr. Wetzel. So you might be asking yourself, what are the best moments to collect in order to zoom into discussion or to practice with my colleagues? According to Drs. Wetzel, Hoffman, and Malik, the best moments are generative, learner-focused, appreciative, and disruptive. They contain some sort of little piece that puzzled you or surprised you about the learners or the work being done in the class. And digitally, where do we trap that?
3: I like named a bunch of tools that I was thinking about, like Canvas discussion, Text, SMS, like, you know, all these things. And she was like, I think your your best bet to start off would be um, a Google Doc. Nice. Because you get everything. You get the real time synchronous, you get the, um, the say, it's saved. You got it saved. It's easy for everyone to access.
0: We're grappling with so many tools, but I do hear joy. And that lifelong learner thing that folks put on resumes. Now's the time for that to shine. And when I think of a lifelong learner, one person really stands out. Her name is Emily Day-Bacom. is a UT alum, a good friend, and a mentor from one of my own first years teaching. Today, she's an instructor, cohort coordinator, and field supervisor extraordinaire at Texas State. And I called her up to get her perspective on our current situation. So one of the things that was really, really awesome yesterday when we had a little visit was your notion of being in a magical place. And I yes. had, I had just listened, I just talked to Dr. Wetzel and she was, you know, going back to that old, I guess, what is it, a proverb where you make lemonade out of lemons and how right now is like just lemons just bombarding us left and right. And, and yet, as a teacher, you carry with you such... Um, an energy and a passion to continue to learn and grow and so you'd said i'm in this magical place and it's a lot of work um, but i can't stop thinking about it and i feel real energetic can you talk a little bit about your magical place
4: yes so i think that uh, you know i really how many times am i going to cry by the way this morning anybody was i should just cry and get it over the
0: this work because we care so hard is emotional miss day's journey too was and is happening all over the us right now we can learn a lot especially that we're not alone in this struggle
4: really march through may they have their final we call them performance assessments right so that their final 45 minute lesson that they plan and that is where i just see everything like clicking i don't know what it is, but it's just like super, I mean, not to overuse the word magical, but it's super magical for them because you see it. Like I see it in my pre-conference with them. I see it while they're teaching. Their minds have shifted from, oh, Miss Day is in here watching me teach to student-focused, which is like so amazing, Right. And I think that it was a real depressing time for everybody when we just, like, got shut down, right? And so then I was struggling with having to do these virtual walkthroughs where I was watching my teacher candidates teach to an empty room, which that was, like, super hard for my heart because they were struggling. I mean, like, nobody wants to teach to an empty room. (laughs)
0: No, no. Because as educators,
4: we get such Mm -hmm. energy and strength from the students. Like, that's what gets us into this work, right? Are these, like, children, kids, treasures that we work with all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. That's where, like, the the real, like, joy in this job comes from. So when we were shut down in March, I I know they were depressed and sad, and then I was depressed and sad, and then I was struggling as a mom, like, having to – still do my workload at home because that didn't shut down. Like we just started having them record their lessons, which was like I mean you probably won't use this, but it was painful to watch that too because it's painful to see somebody teach to an empty room and not have that energy, right? Right, Like you
3: see that energy and you
4: want to see how they're responding to the students and giving them feedback and um Usually, we're able to use July to really bond with a cohort, right? Face to face. And we're teaching them face to face in ways that we're hoping when they start in August with their mentor teachers and the students, they will transfer what they have seen us model. So in May, the Introduction to Teaching Committee got together and we just started grappling with it's gonna be online. And, and what is that gonna look like? And then I, you, you told me yesterday and I just have to agree, like I'm such a big relationship person. So like one of my biggest fears was how in the world am I gonna develop a relationship through a screen with these teacher candidates that really have to trust me and have this relationship with me for this year that we go into. Okay, so that's one part of it. And then the other part was We were introduced to asynchronous and synchronous learning, right? So it's like, okay, now you have to take, not only take these modules that needed a big overhaul anyway, but you also have to split them into asynchronous and synchronous learning. So like our minds were just stretched. I mean, really like my brain every day was just pushed so hard because asynchronous and synchronous was new to us. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not new to the rest of the world, (laughs) but new to us. So we really had to roll up our sleeves and go through this process of we are going to talk and talk and talk and talk and then we're going to wrestle with this and what does it look like and then are we making sure there's just layer upon layer that I don't know if you want to hear about but you know when you're thinking about planning these things for student teachers right so.
0: Layer upon layer of what we do. And I hope this episode showcases how folks are grappling with tools alongside contradictions and tensions that erupt for all of us participating in the work of teacher education miss day also considers these her hats
4: something i started doing last year and then when i set goals for myself professionally with my cohort in mind it was to keep my humanity so even if I have to be wearing my supervisor hat, which is the hardest hat for me to wear always. How do I keep the humanity where I can like say and just be human, you know, and say like, I I understand it's hard to drop off your kids at daycare and then make it to school on time, but I have to require that you're, you know, so I hear you say that and my mama heart is there with you. But, you know, I also have to uphold that you're getting to school on time or whatever. You know, how am I keeping my humanity within all of these different
0: books? There's your book. So Many Hats by Emily Day. So many hats, Carrie. So So many many hats. hats. Um, The word I was thinking was dexterity. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that word. Mm -hmm. Dexterity, transparency, and humanity. That's relationship, right? It isn't all kindness and sweetness. It's also, you know, anti-racism, and it's, um, and it's university protocol, and there's all these, yeah. And so, in enable, in, in order to enable um, the agency of a young teacher, we have to show and unfurl the truth of the hats and model it, and be that, embody it, yeah. I want to thank all my participants for sharing their work around how we use tools in um, teacher education. And it begins with digital tools online, but also language, the chat box, Google Docs, of course, transparency, dexterity, and humanity. We can't forget those hats. So next time we will consider a little bit more about inquiry and how different people across the program areas are struggling with these problems and puzzles that also bring us joy. Thanks for listening.